Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. I'm here with Professor Lewis Appleby, who um, I'm sure all of you will know, um, who's given a couple of talks here today at the conference, but one just a moment ago, which included some data on suicide in young people in the UK. Tell us about this work you've been doing, Lewis. Well, we've set out to collect information on the, the antecedents of suicide, the things that were happening in young people's lives in the period leading up to uh, taking their own lives. Uh, and this was UK-wide, so over a period of three years, we collected about uh, 600 deaths. I mean, it's a, a tragic thing, actually. 600 deaths across the UK in people under the age of 20. And we uh, made use of the, what, what had come up at inquests or coroner records, but also other official reports. So we were using secondary sources. We didn't go and interview people, but we thought this was the next best thing. It was getting access to coroners who, after all, speak to families and professionals, uh, to social services when they conduct uh, investigations into child deaths, criminal justice system, the NHS, all of these people who carry out official investigations when a death occurs. We put together all of their findings to try to present a picture uh, of the things that lead up to uh, teenage suicide. And what are the risk factors you identified? Are they what we would expect? Are there surprising things in there? Well, I just need to be clear that we don't know that they are risk factors because what we were looking at were the themes that were coming up in young people's lives. And you could say, well, aren't these the themes that come up in any young people's lives? But bear in mind, these were being mentioned at inquest, so they were important enough for the coroner to be highlighting them, and therefore we assumed, drawing the reasonable inference, there were stresses that people were facing. So so we found um, quite a few. Um, There was a sort of timeline to this. So some things that had gone wrong for young people happened very early. So they often came from families where there'd been uh, difficulties, mental illness in the family, in the parents, uh, substance misuse, witnesses to domestic violence, that kind of thing. Uh, And then as they got older, they moved into uh, adolescence and experienced other things that were stressing them, for example, bullying. Uh, much of which was face-to-face rather than online, incidentally, Uh, and they uh, developed physical health conditions which weren't necessarily serious in a medical sense but were socially limiting, things that might make them feel embarrassed and not go out and and cut themselves off, I suppose, from friends and sources of support, problems with their skin, asthma, that kind of thing. Uh, and, uh, and then as they got a bit older, there were um, uh, more, I suppose, adult-style uh, risks, so the beginning of self-harm and mental illness and drug and alcohol misuse. So there was a, there was a timeline for people, uh, and it emphasises the point that suicide isn't one thing. Uh, there are multiple factors, and for some people there's a sense of cumulative risk that for some years they may carry a degree of risk and then something starts to go wrong from them and then one thing builds on another and their risk is escalating and then suddenly there's a final event which might be the breakup of a relationship. It sometimes was um, an exam, so educational pressures were quite important. Some of the people died actually on the day of an an intended exam. Uh, So there's some kind of additional acute stress and that was the final straw in a way. Uh, so it's that sense of people's lives spiralling out of control and then there's a death. Uh, and so it means that suicide prevention isn't one thing either. It's intervening at various points to try to prevent that spiral from proceeding. Yeah, it's complex and about people's lives. I guess the media narrative on this is often quite simplistic and it talks about you know youth mental illness and exam stress and social media. Those are the kind of drip feed messages we get. You had some really interesting findings in this work which are looking at internet use but not social media use. Tell us about those. Well, we looked more broadly than social media use, So, partly because there's been such a lot of interest in the role of social media in suicidal behaviour among 
uh, adolescence. We tried to estimate how often it was part of the picture when somebody actually died. Uh, and we were looking not just at social media use, but what we referred to as suicide-related internet use, so anything involving the internet which had a suicidal content. Uh, so it might be online bullying, or it might be uh, going to pro-suicide chat sites, um, and, but it included social media. Uh, and, we f and of course, uh, bear in mind this is coming up through official reports, so almost certainly what we are finding is an underestimate of the true uh, uh, suicide-related internet use of young people. But we still found that it was present and identifiable in a quarter of young people. So a quarter of people under the age of 20 who die by suicide have been using the internet with some kind of suicidal content. Uh, but social, and social media was part of that. Po postings on social media in particular were part of that. But it wasn't the commonest part. The commonest part was looking for suicide methods. Uh, and it is rather extraordinary what can be available on the internet. Uh, and it's highly dangerous. It's, uh, in a sense, preying on vulnerable people. And so a very strong message about how we as a society, and I suppose how the government should respond here, uh, it isn't just about controlling social media and images of self-harm, important though I think that is, there is a wider problem about the abuse of the freedoms of the internet, which is putting young people at risk, vulnerable young people, uh, finding out information that's taking them from being at risk uh, to being highly suicidal. And then finally, one figure that really stood out for me in the presentation was that 40% of the young people who took their own lives through suicide had no contact with services. Yes, yeah, so 40% had no current contact. And in fact, um, the, the, some had had contact in the past and then drifted out of services, or at least they weren't in, any, in contact anymore. And so uh, it, that was a big concern in a way because, uh, it, of course, the services that might protect young people are quite diverse. It's health uh, but also social care and youth justice and uh, non-health agencies like uh, you know, education, universities and schools, they all have a part to play. Uh, and there was a sense that a lot of the young people who died um, had, uh, were, had become distant from the people who might have helped them most. Uh, and so there's a, there's a, a real message there for services, uh, but also I think for families and friends about a level of vigilance, not, not to be over panicked about uh, young suicides, but just to be vigilant. Don't dismiss young people's distress as being transient or trivial. It can, in a small number of cases, be really serious. The risk is uh, real. Thank you.